this morning. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter number 2 is where we're going to take our text uh, this morning. Luke chapter number 2, and we're going to start reading at verse number 10. And while you're turning there in Scripture, if you will, stand with us for the reading of the Word of God. Luke chapter 2, and the verses here that we're going to read, uh, I know for many are very familiar, and here we are. Uh, you've probably been... Uh, hearing some of the uh, some of these uh, excerpts of scripture during this uh, Christmas uh, season, or on some of the uh, programs, or whatever the case might be, uh, but we're going to look here, Luke chapter two, verse number ten, and uh, if you will uh, say Amen when you're there with us, Amen. The Bible here says, and the angel said unto them. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. And I want to focus in on this right here. I want you to catch this. And ye shall find the babe, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Amen. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. This morning, if I can, for just a few moments of your time, I would simply like to preach on the, on the thought, where you will find Jesus. Amen. Where you will find Jesus. I can assure you this morning that there are going to be some places that you are going to find Christ as to where it is completely beyond where you thought you would find Him. It is beyond where maybe uh, the religious minded thought He would be. But uh, I can assure you the Word of God reveals to us on several occasions where we can know where we will find Him. Can we pray together this morning? Father, once again we thank You and praise You for this day. We give You glory and we give You honor. And Lord, truly we magnify You. And we're asking, Father, that Your will and Your way would be fulfilled in every heart and life right now. Lord, I'm asking You anoint Your Word and anoint the hearts and ears of Your people. And I pray, God, that You would anoint my mind and lips as we preach this morning. That all things glorify you. We thank you for what you'll do. And we truly do ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And we give you all the praise. And all that loving would say. Amen. And amen. You can be seated this morning. Where you will find Jesus. I want you to understand that as we take a look here and as uh, there's much that's being said and much that's being done in regards to all things that are Christmas. I know there are some of you that you've been Christmasing since about September. Amen. Uh, some, I, there, I get tickled because there's some, they'll start sharing pictures and all that they're doing and everything long before, uh, long before it's, uh, if you will. 
fulfill uh, the confines uh, uh, that it seems that culture has set up on the, para- the parameters of uh, the holiday season. Somebody said, I have every right uh, to set up my tree if I want to in August or September. Number one, I'm a grown-up and I can do whatever I want. Number two, somebody said, if Walmart and Hobby Lobby can put out Christmas trees in July, I can put mine up, amen, and I can begin to enjoy it. I can turn on Christmas music then if I want to, and I agree with that. I concur with you in those regards, but uh, we see in all of the things that's been talked about or, or uh, maybe some of the things that are in, in, involved in some of your family traditions or whatever as Christmas is soon approaching and all the things are being done. Uh, When we take a look at uh, the reasons, when we take a look at all all of the historical facts and all of the things in regards not only in human history of what was going on surrounding the birth of Christ but also what was going on spiritually in the lives of people, what was going on within the realm, a man of God's people, the children of Israel, and how the birth of Christ would forever impact humanity, how it would impact our lives. I want you to understand there were those who were looking for the Messiah. There were those who were looking for the scriptures to be fulfilled. And we also find that there are those today who do not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They do not believe that he was the Messiah. You can even go into Israel today. I've talked. I've not had the privilege to go to the Holy Land. I would love to do so one day. Uh, But however, I will tell you this. I have several friends, pastors, and different ones that I know who have been on several occasions. Uh, Some that help with uh, uh, doing uh, various tours and things of that nature over there. Holy Land tours and what have you. And there is, uh, you can go in throughout Jerusalem and there are places where you will find signage hanging in windows, hanging in businesses or, or different things around that area that, that have the saying on them uh, welcome Messiah because they still believe that they're looking for the Messiah. They still believe that they're looking for the redemption of Israel. We know as Bible believers, as Christians today, we understand and know that all of this was fulfilled when Christ came. There were many within the, uh, within the Jewish culture who believed that he would come uh, in power, in majesty, in royalty because they were looking to be freed uh, politically from the rule of the Roman Empire. They were looking for uh, uh, to be able... Uh, to uh, uh, be their own nation again, to be uh, to be a, a power uh, of their own again. They were looking at all the political reasons, and there are some that will denounce that Christ was the Messiah for the simple fact that all that surrounds the birth of Christ, they are uh, they are directly opposed in regards to the fact that He would come meek and lowly, that He 
would come. We find even in Scripture that's to where there were things that were said about Christ and his family. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Uh, can any, isn't this Jesus, the son uh, 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 of the carpenter? Isn't Jesus the carpenter? I mean, that there was no wealth in his earthly family. Uh, there was no uh, regal royal parade that happened the night that Jesus was born. But we come to find the Savior of the world made himself available in the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son and the Son willing to come, amen, to fulfill the, the will and the purpose of the Father so that humanity could be saved. But he did so in the cloak of a dark night out in the countryside of Bethlehem. He did so revealing the birth announcement heaven did to lowly shepherds in a field. He did so to a group of wise men who were following the star to go and to find that babe that had been born, the Savior of the world. He did so to a, uh, to a lowly couple, Mary and Joseph, of no earthly uh, substance, nothing to boast of or brag of, but yet Christ was found in these inconspicuous places. He was found wrapped in humility. He was found laid in the feeding trough of the animals. The Lamb of God, the Lamb that John said that John would preach on the hills, on the banks of the Jordan River in the wilderness when he declared, Behold the Lamb of God that has come to save the world of its sins. Oh, he said, This is the one that I am not even worthy to loosen the latch a sandal. Oh, he began to declare the glories of God and preach the gospel of repentance who began as that forerunner of Christ. We find the prophets foretold of what he would do, foretold of his character. But we find in this that there was rejection of Christ because he did not come in the way that humanity thought he should. He did not come in political power. He did not come with pomp and circumstance. He did not come from the notable or the wealthy. But as I said, he came in humility. And he came in a place where not all would know where he was. Where not all would find him. Shepherds and wise men. Mary and Joseph. There was no big party. There was no brunch. There was no supper. There was none of these things. But yet Christ, we find that the announcement came from heaven. Oh, to those, uh, those shepherds in the field when he said, I'm bringing you good news. It's good tidings. It's for joy. Oh, he said, it's great joy. And he said, this is going to be for everybody. He said, you shall. Uh, he said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I'm glad this morning that Jesus Christ born wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in that manger that the good news and the great tidings of great joy all these things were revealed to a young man at 11 years old at 1572 Lakeside Lane I'm glad to report to you that the Savior of the world that his 
his message still rings to all for whosoever will. He said, this shall be to all people. Hallelujah. A gift, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God, eternal life. Eternal life was found, Brother Keith, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. He told those shepherds, he said, you shall find him there. Oh, what a strange place for a Savior. What a strange place for the King of Heaven. What a strange place to be found of for the creator of the universe. Oh, Sister Kelly, if you would have tried to tell me that the sea walker, the blind man healer, would be in a cattle trough, that he would be there laid in the hay, that he would be there, I don't know, you'd probably put me in the, in the, in the group of the cynical. You could put me in the group of those who would say, I don't know about that because in our humanity we are often geared and we are often functioning as to where we are looking for God in particular ways. We want him to be in particular places and to be found in certain avenues in certain ways. I want you to understand this morning that often we are not much different than the world and the humanity that was looking for a savior or some that are still looking for a savior somewhere else because God did not do it put it in the box present it or package it the way that we wanted to we are often conflicted in our small human thinking in comparison to an infinite timeless and eternal God we are limited in our very best efforts in what we try to explain how we can expound or how we can emphasize who he is or what he can do. I want you to understand that in this we have created scenarios in our minds. We have made traditions in ourselves in our churches of how God will work how he will move and what confines he will operate in. I want you to understand here this morning is that a lot of times in our impossibilities, a lot of times in our suffering, a lot of times in our sin, a lot of times in our disappointments, we are further frustrated because we are looking for God in a way through our human eyes in what we and our expectations are. How we think he should be, where we think he should be, that he should be doing what we think he should be doing. But I came to tell somebody long before you ever got to your situation, long before you were ever in your suffering, long before we were ever lost in our sin, God has been in the business of completely turning over the apple cart. He's been in the business of reaching out to people who the rest of the world said are hopeless. He's been in the business of working miracles amongst the mundane, amongst the malay of life, amongst the mangled and despaired, the broken and the bruised. He 
said, I didn't come for those that are well, but I came for those that were sick and in need of a physician. I thank God today the Savior that we serve is not a Savior that stands somewhere prim and proper with his jacket buttoned up and his tie around his neck and says, you can't come to me until you meet the bill of qualifications. But Sister Carmen, he's the carpenter. He's the creator. He rolls his sleeves up and he goes out looking and he goes out searching. He's a shepherd and he says, I'm not standing in a pulpit somewhere but I'll be in the streets. I'll be in the sleazy parts of town. I'll be where the attic's shooting up. I go to the prison. I'm in the homeless camps. I'm behind the closed doors of high society that is pleasured by their secret sin. That's where you'll find Jesus. Hallelujah. That's where you're going to find him. Some folks think Jesus can only be found at Victory Temple Sunday morning, 1030. I'm glad he's here, but this ain't the only place. Let me assure you of this. Some pastors won't tell their churches this. Some pastors won't tell a congregation or even the visitors. Because some want you to believe that their church, their ministry, their pastor, that they have the monopoly on Christ. I can assure you we don't. I can assure you I don't. I can assure you I want you here. I want you to come. I want you to come and visit our church because we believe and we know we give him opportunity to be here to move and minister by his power. You can find him here. I promise you that. You'll sense and see him here. But this is not the only place. We are not the only people. And it's not just in the confines of the four walls of a sanctuary. I want you to understand that when you're looking for Christ, You're looking sometimes for the polished. You're looking sometimes for the proper. You're looking sometimes for the profitable. You're sometimes looking for the things that are a little bit more advantageous. Oh, but that angel said, you're not going to find him in the palace. You're not going to find him down at the best hospital in town. You're not going to find him in the five-star hotel. They said, you're going to find him in a manger. What do you mean? What's going on. I want you to realize this morning that in your places of your life right now that are so dangerous and difficult I want to tell somebody who's in a place of shame or reproach or condemnation look up because your redemption draws nigh. You will find him there. Hallelujah. I want you to understand is that You will find him in your Samaria. What do you mean by Samaria, Brother Jacob? John chapter 4, verse number 4. It said that he had a need to go through Samaria. Let me just tell you, Samaria was a town that was on the other side of the tracks. You didn't catch what I said there. Amen. Last night, we was on our way out to the Munger's house. And the whole south side of Vider, well, not the whole, but that, that, in town, was without power. Now, just underneath the overpass on the north side, there was power. 
And somebody said, yeah, the north side have power. And you Vidorians that are sitting here today, I'm not trying to start a gang war. I'm just going to tell you that right now. But some that is on, those on the north side, amen, they had power. And it was just dark there on the south side. And somebody was talking about last night, and somebody said, yeah, you can expect that on the south side of town. I don't know if there's any truth or credence to that. You can say what you want, but I'll tell you this is that Samaria in Scripture, Sister Kelsey, it was not the part of town that the proper and the religious or the Jews were to be found. Come on here. I want you to understand, Brother Jeremy, that those Samaritans, oh, they're rough and they're crude and they're uncouth and they're not taught right. And they're, and, and, and they're let me just tell you what the Bible says. They were referred to as dogs. As dogs. We're not going to affiliate with them. They're controversial. They're, they're a mess. They're a messy bunch of folks. Their lives are a mess. They, they got, I mean, it's just a, just a hodgepodge of people. And, and a, you, you don't want to go there. But the Savior, while he was out ministering, oh, come on, somebody. While Jesus was out on itinerary, while he was out evangelizing, Brother Danny, he said, they said, hey, we're going to, let's go over here to Judea. Or let's go over here in this place and that place part. There's a big place. Remember Lord how we was in that one place there was over 5,000 people. Remember when we went over here there was this. Remember when we went to the house and the house was packed and there were so many people they had to bust the roof off. Woo! Glory be to God. Let's go Let's go find the amphitheater. Let's go some. I mean there were they, those disciples they had the ministry plan mapped out. We're going to grow this thing. It's going to be a big deal. And Jesus is out preaching. And he looks around. And he's God. He already knows what he's going to do. And he's getting ready to confuse his disciples. He's getting ready to be controversial. Oh, that's something we don't like in the church, isn't it? We don't want controversy. We don't want the people that show up and their lives are messy. We don't want, we don't want that... That single mama been divorced three different times and her babies have three different daddies. We don't, we don't want that one. We, we, know, we know that type comes in, Brother Jake. They'll come in and maybe they struggled with different things. And, and maybe they were liars and thieves. Maybe they had addiction problems. They come in. They don't look like you. And they don't talk like you. They come in and sometimes they ask for money, Sister Linda. Sometimes they ask for food. It happened this morning, didn't it, Brother Gary? Uh, before we ever got started, someone come on in and they're looking for something. Looking for whatever they can get and uh, I'm here to tell you it's been interesting at times oh let me just say this and I know you understand I'm not trying to be offensive but I'll just tell you this is that a church will bring out some interesting people it will and you know what it should I've had folks that have been here since I've been pastor here that almost on the clock at certain times of the year they'll come and try to convince me it's their first time to be in the church. It's their first time to be here and they'll tell me the same story every year. 
every year of what happened and why they're staying where they're staying and what they need money for and what it is that they need. And they'll go through that. They will approach the people. They'll do different things. I, I mean, I've, we've been asked all kinds of crazy things. We have been, uh, you would be surprised. Just come talk to me. We'll write a book about it someday. But I'll tell you this, do we stick up our noses or do we act like, well, we ain't got time, whatever they can. No, I'll tell you right now, is that you've heard me say it. I know you've heard me preach it. Let the confused come in. Let the broken come in. Let the ones that are messed up come in. Because I'm going to tell you this much right now. You're sitting here and you smell good and you got your Sunday best on. And we're sitting here and we sing the songs. and You gave your offering and you put it dollar in when the kids came by and you smiled and you shook hands and hallelujah brother yes hallelujah oh yeah I'm going to be at every function yes I'm going to go to the I'm, I'm going to I just I'm, 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 I'm everywhere I just do everything hallelujah I'm just you know I, we're just here at the church and in this a beautiful church and all that we can sit here but I'm going to tell you right now underneath your Sunday best there's confusion underneath uh, underneath your cologne there's chaos underneath Underneath the niceties that we might enjoy that others may not have. There's secret things going on and some, I can say this with certainty, there are some that are sitting in here and you're miserable. There are some that are sitting in here and your life is controversial. There's some that are sitting in here and you're suffering on the inside. And the devil done had you convinced that this morning service may not be for you because you don't meet the criteria but I came happily to give you good tidings of great joy it's a fact you will find the Savior he's not afraid of your Samaria he's not afraid he, the Bible said he's out there preaching he said I've got to go to Samaria all of a sudden the they kept their distance they kept their distance, but they was a-talking. They was discussing. They was planning. Why in the world is he going over there? Why has he got to go there? Why? I mean, we, why are we doing there? And it was just about to get worse, Sister Laura. I'm, I, I, I have a little bit of a great, I have a grateful heart because I see that there are some situations that Jesus, it looked pretty bad, and in the eyes of other people, he made it worse, it seemed like. I said, well, praise the Lord. That, that helps me feel better because I can take bad things and make it worse. It was bad enough he has gone to Samaria. Oh, but it got worse because there was a woman at the well. There she was. There was no husband with her. This was not a family relative. This was not anybody that, that they knew. And so he sat there at that well because as he, well, he didn't have a watch. But as he looked at the sun and he knew it was about time to come and fetch some water, that that woman was going to show up. He knew, Sister Amber, he knew that he, she was going to be there. That's why he had a need to go there. He knew about her life. He knew about the controversy. He knew how many husbands she'd been through. And that the man that she was living with and playing house with was not her husband. He knew all of that. She kept drinking from wells, looking for satisfaction in different men, in different relationships. Who is going to be the one that settles me down? Who's going to be the one with all of the things that I got going on in my life? She was covered in shame. She was a reproach amongst people. And she was being discussed by the disciples. And yet 
yet Jesus had a need to go there. I want to tell you in her controversy, in her conflict, in all of her contradictions, Jesus was there ready to talk with her, ready to tell her, said you wouldn't, uh, said if you knew who you were talking to, you'd be asking a drink from me. He said, because I can give you something that you can drink of and you will never thirst again. I want you to know I'm glad for a Savior that can be found in your Samaria and in mine. I can promise you this preacher, there's times I've been conflicted, times I've been confused, times my life has been in chaos, and my sin, Brother Tobin, for sure has condemned me. But I'm glad that Jesus looks and says, I've got to get to where Jacob's at. I've got to go find Sandy. I'm going to go find Laura. Oh, there's Linda. I know where she's at. There's Marvin. I know what's going on. Oh, there they are. There's Todd. I know what's going on in this family. You will find the Savior in the middle of your Samaria. I thank God for that. I thank God for that. According to some people, you're only going to find God amongst the sanctified and sanctimonious. You're only going to find God amongst the educated, amongst the wealthy, amongst the righteous. They weren't even smart enough to catch what Jesus was saying because they were all sick who needed a physician. But what Jesus was trying to say is, is you don't think you're sick. And he said, I don't have the time to try to convince you that you are. These that are sick, they know it, and they're looking for help. They know it, and they're looking for help. I want you to know, you will find him in your Samaria. You will find him in the embarrassing places of your life. Isn't it funny how quick we are to write people off? There's been some terrible things that I've seen happen in people's lives as a result of their choices, as a result of turning away from God, as a result of sin. I've seen terrible things. I've seen marriages fall apart. I've seen churches fall apart. I've seen different things happen with children and all kinds of, dif all kinds of different things that, that have gone on. But I can, I can assure you this. One of, the, one of the things that breaks my heart is so quickly in the church, we have overnight prophets who have a word of knowledge that when somebody has fallen, failed, or when, they, when their lives have been busted and broke up, there's always some religious person who'll say, I knew that was going to happen. I saw that coming 100 miles away. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. And if you did, God help you that you didn't try to help somebody before it became a disaster. God help us when we say things like, I knew that was going to happen. I, I saw that coming. I mean, I could sense it. I could see it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I will disagree with 99% of the people who will say that because they don't show any other sign of spiritual maturity in other, any other place in their life. Why would God reveal that secret to you? You can dislike me. You can say, I, I, but you just don't know, preacher. No, I do know. 
And a lot of times the church is at a point in a place where we will talk down and cut off and we will ridicule those who are in their Samaria because it keeps people out of our business. And we know we're messed up. We know we got stuff going on. We know we got things going on. And if we can talk enough about that one, if we can push them down enough, if we can step on their neck, I've never seen so many cannibals inside of the church. Now that little part wasn't even in my notes. That's for free. That's bonus. Bonus material. Be careful. Because I will tell you this, the Word of God says, with what measure ye meet, with what you give out, mark it down, it will be measured back to you. You be careful. Are you gracious? Are you courteous? Well, Brother Jake, we're not called to love the sin and all that. I'm not going to endorse all that mess. I didn't ask you to. I didn't tell you to stand on the soapbox and and act like you condone everything that happened. But I can tell you this. You can be embarrassed and heartbroken over the sin. The sin has to be dealt with. There's no doubt about it. I'm not talking about sweeping it under the rug and somebody's still going to hell because it's been hidden. I'm talking about but you can love somebody body in their pain. You can be the one. And let me tell you, when I say one, you might be the only one. Put your arm around somebody. Call somebody on the phone when everybody else rejects them. But you see, the people that'll do that are the same people that looked up Sister Anna when we were sitting in our Samaria and we found that Christ came looking for us. He went out of his way for us. And it doesn't matter how long we've been saved, how many times we preached, how many we sang in we know that where our sin abounded thank God grace did much more abound because the Savior can be found in our Samaria I want somebody to know this morning is that the Savior he'll be found in your storm. If it's not controversy or chaos, if it's not suffering in the rudiments and the ailments of sin, every one of us, we know what a storm is. Every one of us know what it is when things in your life get turbulent, when skies are dark, when the lightning, Sister Kelly, that you don't like begins to flash. Last night, there was a few pops of lightning. Sister Kelly said, love y'all, peace out. She said, I'm going to go find my car. Amen. It, it didn't help. There are different ones. said, you feel that? You feel that sprinkle? But what we find is, is that in our storm, you see, oftentimes we are conditioned to believe that when we are in a bad place in life, when storms of discouragement, despondency, Depression, fear, anxiety. I can keep going, I promise I'll hit your category. I covered probably over half the church just in those few statements. Those different things that you are up against. Sometimes, here's what we do. We think that because there is a storm that there is no Savior. We think because it's a hard time, God doesn't abandon me. I pastor 
I pastored a lot of people in the course of ministry. And there is still this prevailing attitude amongst certain people that you let them have a hard time. How many counseling sessions that I've set down over the phone or in my office, Brother Casey, and the first thing that I am told is God don't love me anymore because, and it's associated with a storm in their life. I've heard people say God don't love them because they don't have a date, they don't have a husband or a wife. I've heard people say that God don't love them because they're not making the money they want to make or that they feel that they deserve. I've heard people say God don't love them because they're not in a position in the church that they wanted. I've heard people say God don't love them because there was different forms of con- I could go on and on and on. And what happens is, is often when things are not smooth sailing, when things are not how we want it, we immediately dismiss the fact God is not a hundred miles within the place of where I'm at. Do you know that's Bible? Do you know that's Bible? What do you mean, Brother Jacob? That same mentality is in the Bible. Let me read it to you. I don't want you just to take my word for it. I want you to know what the word says. Listen to this, Mark chapter 4. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. Listen. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Let me tell you in 2023 language, Jesus, why don't you love me anymore? Jesus, why didn't you answer my prayer? I prayed it three minutes ago, but I wanted an answer right now. Jesus, I didn't get the promotion. Jesus, I didn't get the raise. Jesus, my friends forsook me. Jesus, my spouse is upset with me. Jesus, my kids are going crazy. Jesus, I don't know how financially we're going to make it. Storms, chaos, waves beating into the ship. Where are you at? What's going on? But that mentality, it is there. You don't care about us. He cared about them enough that he stayed in the ship. He cared about them enough that Sister Anna, regardless of what was going on, he was there. I want somebody to know this morning, you will find the Savior in your storm. How tragic would it be that you think God is only God enough when it's sunshine, when everything's perfect? We often associate good days, happiness, joy, money, blessings, Health, we normally associate all of those things as the goodness of God. I'm going to tell you something. The goodness of God, Sister Linda, you can testify about it. You've written about it. The goodness of God is sometimes 
revealed when you're standing over the casket of your own husband or your own child. Sometimes the goodness of God is revealed to you when the doctor says, I'm sorry, you've got cancer. Sometimes the goodness of God, Sister Jerry, is revealed when we say, I don't know, there's something suspicious going on with that pancreas. And I, I, you might have to, and it, what happens is all kinds of emotions and thoughts and all of these things. I want to tell you that, that the goodness of God is also often revealed when you've written your last check for the month and you realize there's more month than you had money for. I want you to realize the goodness of God is revealed in the places where that storm and it feels like all you're doing. Am I preaching to anybody who's ever had to tread water in life? Am I preaching to anybody that not only are you treading water, but Sister Wanda, you barely got your head up and the rain keeps coming and what you thought was safe and what you thought was secure, it's filling up and it seems like it's going under and we are at church and we're saying, Jesus, I mean, we're running around, Lord, you don't love me, God don't love me. You done called 15 people and told them God don't love you anymore. You done posted on Facebook all of life's tragedy and how God's not fair. And as a result, I just can't go to church anymore. Really? You think you're going to get help outside of the church? You think anybody going to touch God for you outside of the church? You think you've got anybody who's going to grab you up and say, come on, let's take it to the altar. Let's pray it through. You want to find that in the world? No, sir. No, ma'am. You won't. I'm going to tell you right now. Well, you're just saying that because you're the pastor and you want everybody here. I'm saying it because it's the truth. I'm saying it because I've seen folks who live it. Who thought they couldn't serve God because the storm was going on. They come to find out when they left the ark... They really did drown. The whole time, even though the storm was going on, Sister Anna, he was there. I want to remind somebody the storm this morning that there is not a storm so big or scary that it has intimidated the Savior. Come on. I want you to understand. The Bible says they woke him up, he wiped his eyes, he made his way to the front of that ship, he rebuked the winds and the rain, and it ceased. And then, like any good man of God would do, he turned and he did not say, Bless your heart, so Come on, come on, You're laughing because you know that's what we want. God, God don't care about me. God don't love me. I'm sorry, I can't. That's why, that's why I don't tithe. See, that's why, that's why I don't. 
That's why I don't ever serve. Talk to people, hey, would you be interested in serving? I can't serve. I was hurt 25 years ago. I didn't make enough copies off the copier, and somebody cursed me out, and I, I'm, just, I'm not serving in the church. I'm telling the truth. But this is how we want it. It's okay. Jesus didn't do that. He turned around and he pointed that finger in their face and the Bible says he rebuked them. Oh, ye of little faith. Can I ask, you're not shouting, but I feel I'm right in the lane. There's times in your preaching you know when you've hit the vein. And I'm in it right now. I want you, I want you to know right now. I want you to understand that when you're in those places and you done think and, and you're melting down and, and your world's upside down and you've done, God's done forgotten, God's done all this. I want you to understand you better not get your feelings hurt when God looks at you and says, where is your faith? What if he asks you this, what more do I have to do? You've heard me say it. We get in the church and boy, people stand up testifying. I'll tell you right now, if God never did another thing for me, I'd still serve him till I died. Liar. You're lying. You're lying. Up to this point, I've never said that in testimony service. I never have. I'm just going to. We, we write songs about, I promised him that I, I'd serve him till I die. Except I can't serve on Sunday nights. You'll never find me in a prayer meeting. I'll never be there on a Wednesday. When things get tough, I get going. Love it, hate it, agree with it or not, it's truth. We are saying those things, and God says, how much more do I have to do? Oh, ye of little faith. I'm doing more than you understand. I'm working whenever. Let me tell you something. He was asleep on that pillow, but he was very much aware of what was going on. They only woke him up to complain that he did not love them. However, the gift was the fact he was on that boat. I want to let somebody know this morning that he is right in the middle of the ship that's in the storm that you're in right now. He's there. He's there. He's not on vacation. He's not out somewhere else. He doesn't not love you. He's there. Sister Carolyn, if you'll come. I want to remind you, 
He's also in your suffering. Suffering is difficult because some people suffer silently. Some people suffer in situations that nobody knows about. Sometimes we're very good on putting on a facade. Sometimes we're very good about hiding certain things, but suffering. Some people are suffering from their past, and some, some people suffer right in their present. Some people are suffering because of form of betrayal. Some are suffering because you've been broken. Somebody sliced your heart open. They might not even really realize that they did it, but you're wounded and you're suffering. Matthew chapter 8 says, When even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Luke 22 and 44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Matthew 27 and 26. They released Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, when they beat him, when they whipped him, they delivered him to be crucified. I'm reading you these points because Jesus knew what it was himself to suffer. He knew what it was to be betrayed. Sister Anna... When we take communion, we read the scripture always. It says, the same night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. Before they broke bread together, he knew, Dr. Jen, that he was going to be betrayed. And he still washed the feet of Judas. Still shared a meal with Judas. He knew he was give his life's blood. They were in Gethsemane praying. They couldn't stay awake an hour. But the Bible says he went on a little bit further. He did that three different times. He went a little bit further, went a little bit further. And it said that in his praying, as he earnestly prayed, Brother Darren said, as he prayed the more earnestly, his sweat became like great drops of blood. He knows what it is to suffer. And I want to let somebody know is that in your suffering, you can find the Savior. You'll find Him. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes, we are healed. We're healed. We're made whole. He helps us, Brother Eddie. He's there. He's there. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That's no place for a Savior. Well, some would argue, neither is Samaria, neither is the storm, and neither is our suffering. But you'll find in every place he's there. With head bowed, heads bowed all over.
Father, we thank you today for the word of God. I thank you for your mercies and I thank you for your love. And Lord, today, maybe we are in this place and our minds have created scenarios of only where you are. Only amongst the elite, only amongst the religious, only amongst the right, only amongst the wealthy, only amongst those who have it all together, whose families are perfect and kids are perfect and their lives are perfect. But this morning I want to tell somebody, none of that exists. Nobody here. It might look that way on somebody's profile on social media, but that's not real life. It might look that way on the Hallmark Channel, but that's not real life. Real life is storms, and real life is suffering, and real life involves Samaria. Real life is messy. Real life is sin. But in real life, you can find the Savior. He's there. I don't know today who's in what particular situations. I don't know what the Holy Ghost in particular is dealing with you about today. What He's drawing your heart. What He's reminding you of. But I believe this morning that God is trying to get our attention and say, you think you can only find me in this place or that place, but I am in all of those places. I am everywhere at all times, and I am able to meet you. I can bring peace to your storm. I endured suffering so that I can be there when you suffer. He said, I am the great high priest who has moved with the feelings of your infirmities. And he makes intercession for you before the throne of God. Maybe it's sin. Maybe, maybe it's different scenarios. Maybe it's the controversy and conflicts of Samaria. But he's there for you today. If you'd say, I know that he's there. And Brother Jacob, I want to come today and I want to get myself acquainted with the Savior who's in those places in my life. That's us. Why don't we come, church? Why don't we come and find ourselves a place in this altar this morning. Why don't you come today? Oh, but Brother Jake, I don't want somebody to know I've got Samaria. And I don't want somebody to know they're suffering. And I don't want somebody to know they're struggling. I don't, listen, it doesn't matter because it's all of us. Every person in this house is in those places and positions. Every person in this building is in those areas. And Lord, I pray today when we are looking, Lord, when we're hoping to find you. Lord, when we desire to see you, oh, let us know that we will see you there. Let us know, Lord, that we will see you there. Oh, in those places, that places that hurt, the places that don't make sense, the places, Lord, we're trying to figure out, Lord, you're faithful. Lord, you're faithful to meet us there. The goodness of God is that you're there. Oh, it's revealed that you are there. Oh, Ramos, you're